I was so uncomfortable with myself that I was sleeping with someone that I knew they didn't have the emotional capacity to meet my needs. And I lowered my own expectations so significantly just because the sex was electric. Hi everyone, I'm Maria Thatil and you are listening to The Maria Thatil Show. And I am so excited to even just be saying that out loud. I feel like for OG, OG people who have followed my career, you know that this is a long time coming. I just have always dreamed of having my own show, my own space where I can facilitate conversations I care about that you want me to have and just have a bloody good time doing it. And so this is my show. So some of you might already know me as being only the third woman of colour to be Miss Universe Australia in the competition 69 year history or you might know me as that TV presenter who came out on national TV or you might have been at some of my talks and yes there might have been talk about strap-ons and hemorrhoids and sex and a whole bunch of things that you know what I have a lot of time on for this show so whatever it is you're here now and I'm so excited that you're joining and you're listening to my show so I'm basically a professional opinion haver and I feel like you know irrespective of what it's been if you know my career you know that all of it is you know centered on just opening up important conversation and championing inclusivity and different perspectives and encouraging people to celebrate their differences. And it's the kind of thing where I really believe in creating space for stories and voices that haven't always been heard. And that's what this is. It's like not wanting to pull up a seat at the table, but building my own table. Do you know what I mean? So I'm just, I'm so excited because the Maria Thetil show is exactly that. So the Maria Thetil Show is now a space where I can talk about all of the things that I love, whether it's love, it's sex, it's feminism, it's social issues, it's pop culture, it's it's all the things that you want me to talk about. And so it's a space where we can do that and it's evolving. I can't wait to see where this goes and how it grows. But I think fundamentally, like what I really hope is that when you walk away, you know, the conversations ignite you, they inspire you, they entice you. And you're either empowered or at the very least entertained. Every episode's going to be different. Nothing is off the table. So this is the Marie the Till Show. Let's go. So I feel like this is the most fitting way to kick off the show. Because for me to be comfortable sitting here with you, I had to learn to be comfortable sitting with myself. Which I'm going to be really honest, I haven't always been. And I'm still not. 100% of the time. So let's let's set the tone here, okay? Honestly, I think this is universal and maybe it's a problem you are not even sure that you have. So just tell me if this resonates, okay? My girlfriends and I we were having a chat and we were talking about someone we know who was out of a very long-term relationship and this person expressed that they felt really lost after it ended and they felt like they didn't know how to come home to themselves, which was really interesting language. So they didn't feel comfortable with themselves. And I think losing their significant other has left them feeling super disoriented and uncomfortable. And it made me think about when this happened to me post breakups, because I've had a few relationships end in my day. And, you know, realizing you don't know how to be comfortable with yourself. It's not just something you're aware of purely in the context of breakups. You might struggle with this and have never been in a relationship in your life. And for me, I realized that I have work to do to heal something in myself when, yes, I've 
come out of a long-term relationship and I've done everything possible to avoid myself. But also when I've been in a period where I've been single for years and I'm just doing things or being with people that aren't aligned to, you know, my highest vision for myself, but I'm just going with it and I'm going with it without intention. And I'll explain both of those more. And if you're not sure, you know, whether this is something that affects you, I think a really, you know, simple thing for me to do is start by highlighting some of the things that might be an indicator that someone isn't comfortable with themselves yet. So here are four different indicators. And remember, relating to one of them doesn't necessarily mean that you have these deep rooted issues with, you know, insecurity or self-esteem or that you can't be alone they are very human tendencies, but if it, it's throwing you out of balance and affecting other parts of your life, it might be worth looking into. But just remember, you know, all of us, we're social creatures. We are literally wired for connection and we're afraid of getting hurt and being alone and we want to be enough. And with each of these indicators, there were times where it was out of balance in my life. So I'm going to tell you how it played out for me and I'll give you examples of how it did it with work, relationships and my habits. So number one. And this is something that I mistook for just being a really good person, really hardworking, someone that everybody loves and, and you make everyone happy. But number one is you don't have boundaries. And so what does that mean? It means that, you know, you think you're putting other people's needs before yours and, and you, you go with the flow because you're easygoing and you're chill and you don't want to inconvenience anybody and you're more likely to do what others expect of you for approval. But when it gets to a point where you cannot speak with conviction about what you believe, you cannot set boundaries or you're compromising what you want to do, what you want to say or be, it can reflect that you are uncomfortable in yourself and maybe you are burdened with a little bit of self-doubt in some way. And so for me, I had that very recently in 2022 where in my career, it looked like I was saying yes to everything and I was just you know, she's booked, she's busy, like it's that sort of vibe. But I did it even when I had a sneaky suspicion that I had health issues, which ended up being true. And I was stretched thin as thin can be. But I felt like I needed to say yes to every single opportunity coming my way. Yes to every client that wanted to work with me because I wanted them to think, yeah, I can meet your needs. I can move with the flow. And if the flow is a tidal wave, then fuck yeah, I can ride that too. You know, I did what people wanted because I wanted their approval because a part of me was still learning to sit comfortably with myself as a professional who has so much value to offer the world. And I couldn't sit with that because I think deep down, I didn't believe it. And I had this scarcity mindset convincing me that if I didn't say yes to everything, then maybe someone could just pull the rug out from under my feet and all the opportunity would disappear. And that comes down to a, a fundamental belief that you're not enough and you're disposable and you have to go with the tidal wave, even if it means that you're going to drown. And so what happens if you sit alone with yourself and you put your needs first? Do you really think that to be loved, successful or good enough, you have to put everyone before you because doing that for you, putting yourself first somehow compromises the things that you want. So I feel, you know, if this is something you resonate with, a false belief that putting yourself first will cost you what you want and the kind of life that you want, maybe you have a problem with boundaries and that's definitely something worth looking into. And so number two, you might maintain friendships 
that drain you or stay in unhealthy relationships. And I think a lot of us have been guilty of this at some point in our life. And, and, and on the surface, when you talk about it and you say, you know, staying in, in toxic relationships or draining friendships, well, why would anyone do it? Well, when you're in it, it's really hard to untangle. And so aloneness, it can cause anxiety and it, it might make you uncomfortable. So what happens instead? You know, you seek the company of others so desperately over your own that then the barriers and standards to be around you are so much lower than they should be and so I remember when I was about 19 years old when my high school relationship ended yes it was a while ago but when it did I really didn't know myself and and so much of who I was it was wrapped up in this high school relationship I was this person's girlfriend I was his girlfriend we had our friends we had what we would do on the weekends we had our plans for the future but when we became me I I literally had no idea who I was and so I spent every single moment I could talking to whoever gave me time and every weekend shivering in a tiny dress in a cold dingy nightclub somewhere with a group of people that I met that also wanted to party a lot and I was so willing to put myself in these shitty unsafe situations drinking in company that I didn't trust because I preferred that to being alone and similarly I had a friend who was in and out of a toxic relationship for close to a decade and this person was emotionally abusive with her and you know when she finally got out of it and we talked about it I remember her saying to me the reason I stayed in it was one I invested so much time in this relationship but two I just didn't think I would find someone that would love me the way that they loved me and again, they've accepted what they thought they deserved. And it's it's wanting approval and validation from others so badly that you don't even consider whether you approve or validate the choices of the relationships in your life. You know, when we, when we chase relationships to avoid being alone, I always describe it as, it's like a Missy Higgins quote, so I'm going to thank her for that. But it's like trying to put a square into a circle. And because you want it so badly, you're willing to overlook things that are really important to you or things that you value just so that you can have these people around you. But it just means that the relationships you're choosing, they're riddled with insecurity and an unmet need for connection. And so then number three, look at how you spend your time. And this is a really good indicator, but are you always on your phone? And I know we live in a really social and globalized world and, and my my life is on my phone. But if you're often lost in what I call low vibrational mindless activities. I think it's important to pay attention to the way you spend your time. So with the phone thing, just think about it. How often do you glance at yours? Because, and I read this in the work of a London-based therapist. Her name is Bobby Banks. But she described, you know, the, the frequency of that we, you know, that we glance at our phone. It's a way of dealing with feeling uncomfortable in social situations. And it's more common, would you believe, for people with lower self-esteem. And so beyond the phone, I'm talking about things that don't really require a lot of mental effort. In fact, it doesn't require much presence of mind at all. So do you relate to just scrolling through social media feeds super vacantly and you only feel an emotion when you are triggered, annoyed, delighted, envious by someone's content? You know, I had a situationship last year and when it ended, I was so uncomfortable in my own presence that I was unable to sleep at night and it was a little bit connected to the the health issues that I experienced but I developed insomnia and so what I would do at night is to avoid my thoughts I would literally scroll on TikTok and 
I thought it was just me just really lapping up my For You page. It's it's just, oh, you know, this is just something I do at night to unwind. But I remember one night I went down a six-hour rabbit hole and I didn't stop till it hit 4 a.m. Like, and this is un, just unbroken time, just scrolling till 4 a.m. And I looked at the time and I thought, what have I done? Like, I, I don't even remember or have a concept of six hours passing. And so... You know, it's it's not to say that doing stuff like this on the odd occasion and unwinding and and being on your phone, it's an indicator that you have serious issues. But the way I was doing it, I was doing it because I was avoiding my own thoughts. And so number four, you seek comfort in things outside yourself. And so I wrote a book. It's called Unbounded and it talks about manifesting a life beyond limits. And in chapter two, I talk about going through life intentionless. And that can feel like you're living on autopilot. And autopilot means you don't think through your lifestyle choices. You're just chasing whatever feels good in the moment to avoid being alone with yourself because you don't know yourself. And therefore you aren't comfortable with yourself. And many of us do this because we're not comfortable in ourselves. We seek comfort in things outside of us. And I'm talking about food. I'm talking about alcohol, drugs, sex, gambling. And again, I did this last year with sex. I was so uncomfortable with myself that I was sleeping with someone that I knew they didn't have the emotional capacity to meet my needs. They didn't even share my values. And I lowered my own expectations so significantly just because the sex was electric. And it was, it was, it was, it was a high. In fact, when we stopped sleeping together, it actually felt like, it felt like I was coming down from something it was just so good and it felt so good but when we weren't having sex it felt awful but I was chasing that high so I was willing to lose myself in that and these addictive behaviors like the drugs the sex the alcohol you're avoiding yourself but in the process you actually lose yourself so these four if we recap them, we're talking about a lack of boundaries. We're talking about unhealthy relationships, the unconscious way you spend your time and the autopilot lifestyle decisions. If they resonate with you, they're arising because, you know, on some level we're acting out of a fear of being alone. And when we do that, we don't act authentically in our relationships or we don't even allow them to be authentic. And we also live our lives reactively as opposed to proactively where, you know, we actually could be designing what happens, how we show up, who's in it. But the good news is that these things are just symptoms of an issue that can be resolved. And so if you're someone who wants to get better at being comfortable with themselves, these are four things I know to be true that you can do to improve the relationship that you have with yourself. As part of the Marie Thetil show, we have a very special segment, Ask Maria. Because ultimately this show is by me, but it's for you. And so you'll write in with your questions and I have a minute to respond. So three questions, three minutes of value. And I'm going to be throwing over to my producer, Blake, to let me know what some of our listener questions are. Let's go. Hello, Maria. I really want to be more comfortable with myself and feel secure in my own company. However, my inner dialogue is very negative. Do you have any tips to push past this? So I think for this listener, when it comes to assessing your inner dialogue, it's just so important to firstly, it's amazing that you recognize that it's negative, but also recognize that this didn't come from you. You weren't born inherently believing these things about yourself. And so to challenge that narrative, a really important thing to do is question. Question why 
you have this going on in your head. Where did it come from? Did it come from negative peers? Did it come from media? Did it come from your parents? And then I would encourage you to write it down and then challenge it and write about why it's not true. Because so often we catastrophize and we dramatize and we make these absolute statements about ourselves, but you need to give yourself a little grace. So I would encourage you to write it down and then challenge it and get into the habit of breaking up and challenging your own inner dialogue. Once you start doing it, you know, you can retrain your brain. They said 30 days to make a habit. Give yourself a month of trying it and see whether it comes naturally. Maria, I really love my alone time and I'm super comfortable with being alone. The only thing is that my boyfriend isn't comfortable and always loves my company. He struggles with separation, anxiety, and has some abandonment issues. How can I help him be more comfortable with himself? This is a really great question because boundaries are such a big thing and also recognizing what is and isn't your responsibility. And as someone who is actively working through this with a therapist, I would start by saying it's amazing that you can recognize that you and your boyfriend have different attachment styles and it is incredible that you want to support them. I think having open conversations with your partner and letting them know that Maybe you recognize they have something they need to work through. Encourage them to speak to somebody. I think that's important. And you can never supplement a mental health professional. And, and, you know, if he's got issues, you have to know whether it's your place to try and work through that with him because you might not be qualified to do that. Encourage him to empty his cup to a therapist, but then also put in some boundaries in your relationship so you have that shared time together, but you also encourage him to maybe spend some time with friends or pick up a hobby that he likes and do things on his own too. I think know where you come in, where a professional comes in and put those boundaries in place. Hello, Maria. As a mom, I don't get a lot of alone time, but when I do, I spend it worrying about my kids and if they're okay. I feel like I'm at a point now where I don't value me and my time enough. How can I put myself first without feeling like a crap mom? Um, um, you know what? Every single question has come through. There is a person in my life who actually has this issue, so I almost feel like I'm talking to them. But mom, what I would say is you're a good parent. And that's why you worry about your kids. And I get it. But in order to show up as the best parent that you can be, you need to recognize that you do come first too. And if you're not looking out for yourself, it's going to get increasingly hard to show up for somebody else. So let go a little. And it's, it's easy for me to say as somebody who's not a parent, but as someone who does take responsibility for a lot of my family members and people I care about, I know it's hard. But also try and understand if there's something else in the driver's seat here. I know for me, I actually have a lot of anxiety that drives my need to take care of my family and my friends and the people that I love. So I'm actually working through that with somebody so I can let go and know, okay, they're going to be okay without me. You are raising self-sufficient, capable humans. You're a good person. You deserve to take care of you. Let go a little and let them figure it out too. Thank you so much for listening to the Maria Thetil Show. You just listened to Ask Maria. So listeners who wrote in, thank you for your questions. And I can't wait to take more. So we're going to jump right back into the episode. And now we're going to go into what you can do to teach yourself to be more comfortable with yourself. And like, you know, the symptoms I talked about, the symptoms of an issue that you might not know you have, the answer was fourfold. Is that a word? Fourfold? We're going to make it a word for this. <laughs> the answer, the solutions, this, the strategies and the tips you can employ, it is also fourfold. I don't, the more I say it, the more I realize I don't think this is a word, but we're going to roll with it. I've got four things you can do to learn to be comfortable with yourself in your own company. So number one, 
and it has to start with getting to the root. And it's understanding why you aren't comfortable with yourself in the first place. You know, it could be something like low self-esteem or low self-confidence or a deep-rooted fear that stems from a childhood experience. You know, what has shaped this discomfort that you have? So first, I want you to do something. I want you to ask yourself, what stories do you believe about yourself that you've absorbed from school, media, parents, trauma, negative peers in any capacity? You know, what has conditioned you to think that you were not enough and where has it come from you know you might have a really deep-rooted fear of being alone and and you trace it back to childhood did you experience neglect abandonment or rejection because things like that might create attachment issues and and a need for connection and love at all costs even if the cost is your emotional well-being and as a psychology graduate and a solid mental health advocate who is in therapy I cannot stress enough the importance of talking to someone. You know, in Australia, we are so privileged to have a stable healthcare system. So I encourage you to talk to someone professionally that you can empty your cup to. And I really love that uh, that sentiment because someone said it to me um, and I remember I've never forgotten it, emptying your cup to somebody who is qualified to help you. And if you're not comfortable doing that yet, or maybe you don't have the means for whatever reason, I would encourage you to introspect. And so I've referred to my book Unbounded, but in it, it has prompts. And so the book has, you know, 10 steps to to manifest a life beyond limits. And each chapter is something you can do. And at the end of every chapter, it has journal prompts. So this is it. And look, it's not a plug. Even if you don't get it, you don't read it. You don't start journaling. At the very least, get out a pen and paper and just write why. Ask why. I remember the first time I journaled after having a little hiatus, I didn't even know what to say. So I literally wrote on paper, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. And then that started to evolve to, I'm feeling this. Then I started asking, why am I feeling this? And so when you start asking why, why do I believe this? Why have I come to think this way about my life? You know, when you start writing and you're not trying to sanitize what you're writing, you'll be really surprised at what comes forth. So introspect or talk to someone so you can get to the root. Number two, engage in practices that help you get to know you, that will help you challenge these stories about yourself and then also understand what your values are. And I think so many of us fear being alone with ourselves because we don't know ourselves. So I have this great exercise and I'm actually just going to give it to you whether or not you have my book. But at the end of question, at the end of chapter one, I had written journal prompts to help people get to know themselves and challenge stories about themselves. So if you have a pen and a paper or a laptop, I'm going to give you some questions and you can pause and just write what comes forward. But I'm going to ask you, if someone were to write a biography about you, what would the book be called? What would the tagline be? And what is the earliest memory that you would include in it? What would be included in the chapters and how would they describe you? Once you've answered that, Now, there are going to be parts of this biography that impact your dreams, your relationships, your job and your life broadly. So I want you to put a little star next to the parts of it that you think limit your capacity to live in alignment with the way you'd like to. That make you feel like they're out of bounds and ask yourself, are these starred items completely true? Where do your beliefs about them come from? And is there another way of looking at these parts of your story so that you can find the gift in them? And then the final thing I want to ask you to do, because I think this is really important and 
for many of us, we don't keep this front of mind and that's where I think we can feel aimless or a little lost or a little uncomfortable with ourselves. But what would you say are your core values in life? So for this question, I want you to describe them, but then also write why they're important to you. And so once you've written this down, you've written down what you think your story is so far, what you think about what you want out of life and whether you believe you can achieve it, and then also have a clear understanding of what your values are. If you can keep these things front of mind, whenever you find yourself around people, that might not feel right. Maybe you're, you're meeting new friends or you're in new situations or a job or doing activities or you know the way you spend your time. If something doesn't feel right, if it challenges the biography and if it, if it doesn't fit with your values, you know that maybe it's not for you and you need to retreat into yourself. And I think knowing yourself and keeping these things at the forefront of your mind will help you to become a little bit more comfortable with yourself. Number three. Learn to be intentional. So this might be spiritual for some people, but I'm going to connect this to intention because research tells us that being intentional is positively associated with your psychological well-being because it keeps you in control. It, it grounds you in a sense of purpose and it helps you operate in alignment with it. And I can tell you that if you are uncomfortable with yourself and if you avoid yourself, that is not what you are born to do or be. You are bigger than that. And the beauty of unlearning this discomfort is that you learn that you are fucking brilliant and you are purposeful and you are capable. And once you get past the anxiety of being alone, you have the opportunity to get to know your own power and your purpose. So all the things you want to challenge about yourself and the things you've articulated as your values, set a, a well-being practice for yourself where every day you carve out a bit of time to focus on your intentions. So I'm just going to share what I do and a few tangible tips that are accessible because all you need is a pen, you need an internet connection and a few minutes every day. And if you do not have that, then maybe you have bigger problems because it's, it's pretty accessible. So this helps me when I'm really going through it as well. So in the morning, what I do is I'll meditate and you can literally YouTube a guided meditation for intention where someone talks you through what to focus on for two minutes even. If you can't meditate, just start with two minutes. When you're clear on your intentions, write them down. Set them and then tape them on your workspace. Tape them on your wall. And if you don't have a private physical space, write it on your notes. Whatever you do, just keep it front of mind because I think being intentional in this way and finding time to sit with it keeps your purpose and a direction that is true for you front of mind. And it's such a positive and a powerful way to sit with yourself. You know, if you're sitting with anything, sitting with your intentions, your hopes, your highest vision for yourself, you're not avoiding yourself anymore for someone or something else. If anything, your focus is on you and your focus determines the outcomes in your life. And this is a beautiful way to make sure it's on the best possible things you can attain. And number four is implement more time away from things that rob you of yourself and instead spend time doing things that gifts you time and presence with yourself. And I'm going to say somebody who is very, very present on social media, I think scheduling social media breaks or phone breaks, it's a big one because, you know, phones and technology, it has changed the concept of being alone over you know the last few decades so drastically and it's a beautiful thing when you can start to say no to quick easy dopamine hits not even just with technology I think with food with sex with drugs with alcohol instead 
if you can carve out time for yourself to let your mind wander, and I mean free of TV, of music, of podcasts, the internet, and instead go do something that requires you to be alone with yourself, like exercise, taking yourself on a date, spending time in nature, laying down, picking up a hobby. You know, it's just learning to do things that require you to be with yourself and not having a touch point with someone else. And it can be a little bit scary, but you can start by, you know, starting small. Set yourself half an hour a day. Set yourself 15 minutes a day and then branch out. And the more comfortable you get, the more you do it, the more you're going to learn about yourself, what you like, what you don't like, how you enjoy spending your time. Do all of these things long enough and maybe you won't fear coming home to yourself. And so as I've said, I have lived every single thing I've shared, whether it was the examples of how I once avoided and sometimes can avoid coming home to myself, um, but also the things I do to actively unlearn it. And, you know, for me, I hope if nothing else, if nothing else, when you listen to this, you at the very least feel seen, but you can also take away at least one bit of value, just one thing you can implement in your life that'll make you more comfortable with yourself. And I just want you to know one thing that I've learned is, you know, any time in my life where I've been really, really scared of being alone, it's because I didn't know myself. And if I can tell you one thing, it's if you knew yourself, like your truest self and your truest potential, you would know you deserve the fucking best. So I hope you take away value. I hope you learn to be with yourself and, and never settle for anything less than what you deserve. And as for the show... I want to take a minute to appreciate that we are wrapping episode one of the Marie the Till show and I'm just so excited because I get to talk to you and we get to talk about whatever we want. The show, it's fluid, it's evolving. I love being able to take listener questions. So write in whether you send me a direct message or you send an email with a suggestion in the bio. We want to hear from you and we will shape episodes based on what you want to talk about too. So as far as the rest of the season, if you go to the next episode, you may or may not be privy to a conversation where uh, my brother and I explain what a fuck buddy is to my ex priest dad. Um, that's a little bit, that that is that, that happened. Yeah. And we explore different attitudes towards sex across generations. And, you know, we're having a great chat sort of showing how you can be open with your family. So tune into that. I just say get some popcorn and settle in. It's going to be good. And the rest of the season, it's just going to be a lot of open, raw, funny, but inspiring conversations with people that I think you're going to love and ideas that I think will spark something in you. So thank you for listening to the Marie at the Till show. This is episode one wrapped and I can't wait for you to join me next time.